Hello and welcome to this episode of Digital Confidence and Decision Making. We're going to have a bit of a chat today about the metaverse and Mark Zuckerberg's plans for the future. So we're carrying on the theme from last time on thinking differently and really we're going to get into kind of what that can mean for councils, council services, public services and this one's obviously going to be a bit of a stretch for a lot of people but if we're to believe uh, what Mark says, then obviously in 10 years' time or so, we're all going to be sitting with VR headsets on, uh, ignoring the real world and sitting in a virtual world, enjoying ourselves and, and carrying out all our tasks. Now, obviously, I don't believe that. I think it will be used. I don't think it will be as massive as, as they say. But knowing tech companies and how they push and promote their own ideas, push their agendas, more tech people get involved. I can actually see some use in it and I can see an element of delivery through a service like this. So I myself have, have had a go on VR headsets. If you haven't, uh, compared to probably what they were 10 years ago, they're actually really good. I'm, I'm not a big gamer at all, but my son uh, actually has an Oculus Quest VR headset. Not bought by me, by the way. They're bloody expensive. Uh, but he brought it round. We played on it. And it's good fun. The graphics inside it are incredible. You really do feel like you're absorbed into this other world. So I think it's something that will continue to rise. I think people will use it. I think it will become more common as the headsets get better and less clunky. So you're not necessarily having this massive, heavy headset strapped around your entire head. It will be... I hate to say more like Google Glass of past, but I think that's where it needs to go for it to become more mainstream. So what does Mark mean by this metaverse? So he's basically saying he's watched the film Ready Player One and he likes that world. He wants to create that world. So if you haven't actually watched the film, then the first thing I'd advise you to do is go and watch it because it will give you a really good idea of where his head's at and what he's thinking. But in real terms, we're saying you're going to be sat at your desk, a bit like me now. You'll put a headset on and you'll be able to go into meetings virtually. So you'll be able to walk into the room where the meeting's being held along with your colleagues. You'll sit down virtually, you'll talk to each other. And we've seen things like this in various different films. If you've ever watched uh, The Kingsman, there's a meeting in that. I think, uh, is it Michael Caine who plays the, one of the main characters? He hosts a meeting and everybody else dials in through their glasses sits around the table it's going to be something like that at the moment it's a bit more avatar based so you come across as a bit of a cartoon character within it but if you look at games like Fortnite, uh, the avatars within that how you create them you can basically become a different person within these worlds or i think it'll be more likely that you'll go into them as yourself in the future especially in a in a work environment but where you need to be thinking now is, okay, if that's kind of where the world's going or what we're thinking of, we are thinking virtual, we're thinking of being able to step into worlds, being able to do things differently, and obviously thinking differently, what does that mean for where councils need to be going or charities or, or anyone like that? So augmented reality is already in a lot of places. You can hold your phone up in museums and art galleries and things and get more information about whatever you're looking at directly to your phone. Some places are already doing a little bit of virtual reality, but let's have a think about, as a, as a resident within a council, I'm going to visit my council in a virtual world. So 
you're going to put your headset on. Now, for me, I think that's probably going to be something where you've already got your headset on, you're doing something else, you're in a meeting and you think, oh, hang on, I just need to go and pop and do this. What you're going to do is end up walking to, virtually walk into your council building. Now, the good thing with the metaverse, essentially, is there only needs to be one building, and that building can be a generic council building, and you can basically say which council you want it to become. So you don't have to have 400 different virtual worlds within this metaverse or with a council. You can have one building and you flick into your own council as part of that. So already we're starting to think about how kind of 400 disparate websites start to fall in under one generic website that takes you into these places. So you walk up to the front door, you go to this council. What you're met with, so again, if you've seen the film, there's a character in it called the curator. And he's essentially your artificial intelligence robot that you go to and say, I've got a question about so-and-so. He goes and brings you the answer or takes you to the answer. Um, Within the film, they have libraries, catalogues and uh, rooms where there's almost like real life video clips of what occurred at the time to watch. So huge amount of information that can be brought forward to you. But you might want to do something. We'll start very, very simple and basic. We're going to start with, we might want to ask the creator that we need to renew our car parking permit. So we've told him which council we're at. We've told him we want to renew our car park permit. Within that, he's going to pull forward a couple of push button options. So again, remember, you're in a virtual world. Your hands, if you've got the Oculus, have got two controllers in. And your hands basically are appearing on the screen in front of you. So everything now becomes touch buttons. You're going to click on things. You're going to be able to scroll through. Uh, Again, if you've seen the Minority Report with Tom Cruise, bringing that information up, they're scrolling through using signals with the hands, swipe motions down, things we're we're used to doing anyway in everyday part of life. So think about that. This is a big button parking permits. Virtually, we've pushed that button. That's then brought up our account. It's got pictures of all our different cars in it. You might have one car in the family, you might have three cars in the family, you might have none, you might just need to plus for a new one. But your car, as the car, will appear on screen probably as a virtual image of your 3D car coming up. Select the car you want to obviously buy the permit for. Once you've got through that stage, you may well need to verify your information, so prove that I am who I am. Now obviously the government's gone through lots of work with gov.verify, There's plans to kind of bring that back and make it better so you can auto-verify through this. There's also a project happening at the moment with Tim Berners-Lee who's looking at something called Solid. And Solid is basically a way that you hold your own data, you control it, and you share the elements of that data you want to share with the various companies, councils, services involved. So instead of there being... At the moment, like Facebook collects your data, Twitter collects your data, you go on a website, collect your data, all that. These companies then have all your data. They can do things, manipulate with it and use it. What this is saying is you hold all of your data and you say this website can use this bit, this site can use that bit. Council, you might want to be able to give them more information, they can have more access to it. But you own it and if you withdraw that consent, that data's gone from them, it sits with you. So it's a really good idea. It's one I've seen kind of smaller versions of, tried to have trials and demos of previously, but 
it's moving to a world where your data is not owned by all these big social media companies or or anyone that's not you. You own it, you control it, you say what can be shared, what can't be shared. And if you withdraw consent, you withdraw. And obviously that aligns nicely with kind of GDPR because they don't have to overly worry about what data they hold because it's data you've said they can hold. So you verified your information through the virtual world. It might say you need to uh, provide a document or a V5. Let's presume we still actually have paper V5s in the future. Hopefully we won't, but you never know. Uh, but you've got a copy of it on your desktop. So again, virtually you're pulling up your desktop files into this virtual world and there'll be a folder drop within the council for your account with Solid or someone else where you go and take this file, drop it into my council folder. They've got a copy of that. Very straightforward, click swipe, drop in. You're then obviously gonna to have to pay for your permit. So again, you might have already saved three or four different cards into your account. You could swipe through which card you want to pay for, check your balances while you're there, which one you actually is the best one to use. Again, we're all doing this virtually with swipe and, and touch and click. Click on the card that you want to use, choose your payment method, payment goes through. You'll then get something back that says, right, that's been approved, you have a permit for this. Pushing it one step, is that recorded on a blockchain or not? That's something to debate, I think, much nearer the time how we're using them in, in a few years' time and kind of where the technology is taking us as opposed to where it is today. But there might well then be a record that says this address has a permit for this car for this period of time. And obviously, whether that's blockchain or not, that's a record that's going to be kept somewhere stored digitally. And that's a really basic thing. So you can almost imagine in your head, you're, you're walking into a virtual world. It's not quite cartoony, but it is kind of graphic-y. And all you're doing, instead of seeing an entire website with all the information, all the screens and all the wordings, if you think about just the bits of the website that you're clicking with the mouse or tapping on, that's almost what you'll see in the future. So council websites won't necessarily be this plethora of information coming at you, especially in this ver in the in the metaverse. It's going to be much more buttons, clicks, and then into almost the libraries that sit behind where you can then start to swipe through information. And things might be presented to you more as books or audio books or videos, images that you select and go into. So I think it's it it allows councils and public sector bodies to think very differently about how they're delivering their services, especially through what kind of media they're doing. At the moment, there's obviously been a, a huge push towards kind of creating online forms and things like that. And we talked about that in the last episode with the supply and demand model with McDonald's and Michelin-starred restaurants and where that's going. But you already need to be thinking in the, into the future. And although people say, oh, people won't use it, it won't happen, the chances are it will. Kids today are all coming in using VR headsets. We've seen, I've seen adults use them. Oculus will get more popular, the better it gets. You already know that we every other trend kind of follows gaming and various other bits. I know gaming companies that are starting to look at using NFTs and Bitcoin within their games and various other bits. So things are happening things are changing and what we don't want to do is be in a position where as a council we're three four five years behind the rest of the world which is where historically they've always been so let's start thinking about the future 
And to give you an example, we'll go into something a bit more interesting than renewing a, a car park permit. So let's think about planning consultations. So there's been loads of kind of government funding backed projects for how do we get more people involved in the planning process? And again, it's it's very bland, boring solutions. Talking to more people, we'll send more forms out, we'll put more information out. It's kind of like, let's go 3D, let's go virtual reality. You could go into the planning department within this virtual council. We're still in our headsets. We're still swiping. We might need to put a planning reference number in, but that's fine because a virtual keyboard is going to appear in front of you. You can use your fingers within the metaverse. We tap away the, the right number for the planning permission that's being sought. And then what we're presented with today, we're presented with a document that might have some words in it. It might have an architecture drawing. It might have a CAD drawing. You're looking at a, a 2D piece of paper, essentially. Let's go into virtual reality. We can build the house, the extension, the housing estate, whatever that planning permission is. We can build that in VR, a complete 3D model. Within this, you could then walk into that model. You could look around. You could see exactly what it looks like inside, outside. You could walk around the entire housing estate. You could see how it flows, how it works. Look at the different types of housing in it. There's, there's so much you could do virtually without leaving your desk. You could then go, okay, what I want to see, I'm the neighbour. I want to see how this extension impacts my house. So let's bring up the model that's got the virtual model of my house, the house next door, with the added extension out the back. Does it block my sunlight? Can I do a, some modelling where the sun comes around? How much light does it block? How much of my view does it block? How close to my boundary is it? And instead of just again working off a, a 2D flat drawing with some red lines and arrows on it, we can step into that world and see exactly what that looks like. And I think that's where you're going to get more interest in these planning consultations more people coming in and having a look and the builders and the architects can probably be more expressive in what they're trying to achieve and if you think about a, a big housing estate say we're going to put one with 100 homes in to be able to almost walk around that virtually see it from a bird's eye view and everything else is huge but then you start to drift into digital twins and a digital twin is effectively what it says it's a digital copy of a real life thing so used a lot within machinery and stuff so you know how your tools are working you create a copy you, you're monitoring it real time with the data and as the as obviously as the machinery changes parts get worn out they're doing the same within the digital twin that can alert someone before it actually breaks and stops if we're looking at housing estates you could say okay we've built this digital twin we have a complete replica of what you intend to build let's now model that with traffic flows with air quality with school provision with housing provision and actually see what that looks like and obviously then you can have algorithms that say okay if it if it's between let's say 30 and 40 percent difference it's red if it's 20 to 30 it's amber if it's under 30 it's green so we don't allow anything that goes into the red zone that's an automatic refusal it's then on the builder to make sure that they provision enough within that to bring it back into either the amber or greens. And they obviously have things like Section 104 money that they have to put forward for the council to use on things like playgrounds, parks, schools, provisions, things. But you can alter how that money is viewed and spent based on this modelling. It then starts to fall into the world of, OK, planning enforcement. You've already now got a digital twin of the, the place. 
you're dropping new housing estates, you're constantly updating it with changes. But what if you could then see changes have been made that haven't had planning permission because you've got a layer within this virtual world that tells you all the planning permission that's been granted in the last sort of 10 years. Suddenly a building appears that I didn't have planning permission. So enforcement isn't about waiting for someone to grass their neighbour up or to send a confidential email in without their details saying you need to go and look at so-and-so's property. It's about being proactive and monitoring and looking at what's changed within this world that you can almost see from your desk without jumping in a car, driving around and, and looking at it. And that, I mean, that technology there is has been around a while. It must be five years ago, maybe. I think I went to the satellite catapult centre down in Didcot and they were doing a project there about, it was with Milton Keynes Council, I think, actually, at the time, and they were using satellite images for exactly for planning enforcement. And they were basically having one satellite image that might be, let's say the, the bottom satellite image was a year old. Then they would put today's satellite image over the top of that. Then they would have a layer above that that said, this is all of the planning permission granted within that period. And then a layer that basically said, this is where there's an, an anomaly outside of any area where we have granted planning permission. So you could immediately see again where buildings and that had popped up and kind of unapproved extensions, new builds, garages, anything like that had appeared from your desk. Again, it was using automated or artificial intelligence, machine learning. It would then tell you where the enforcement needed to occur. And I, I remember talking to a director of planning at the time who I said, we should be looking at this with Milton Keynes. And he came back and said, there's no need. I already know where all the planning enforcement needs to happen. And so I kind of want to bring it back to the VR piece because we can do all of this stuff and it's possible to completely change the way we deliver services. But we need to think a little bit wider as well. So one of my favourite uses for it all might be in, in education. So again, far too much learning from textbook or looking stuff up on the internet imagine I don't know let's say we're going to Mount Vesuvius when uh, we're going to live in Pompeii it's erupting we can all put our headsets on we can be there we can see it in real time we can pause it we can go around the city we can talk about that's such a more engaging proposition for a kid to want to be invested in learning about history and things than here's a textbook read this oh and here's some documents Imagine marching with a Roman legion, being in that Roman legion, walking along the streets, knowing you're about to go and invade a country. What about uh, riding with Boudicca on a chariot? You could do all sorts. You could be in the wars, in meetings that happened during the wars. Really learn from those experiences. We could raid with the Vikings. That would be quite cool for most people. But I think for me, it brings it to life. So one of the things I've looked at recently is you've probably seen a lot of people have been doing photo uh, manipulation where we've taken old black and white photos and made them colour and for me that starts to bring those photos to life I think there's a lot of us who look at black and white photos and it's very hard to imagine that world in colour and it being real and it happening it's even quite difficult watching the 1966 World Cup again watching it in black and white it's it's real but it's almost not quite real but actually let's VR that we can make it almost real we can make those images color we can drop them into this virtual world 
and we can learn from them. So I think there's a lot we can do around education with this with this piece. Obviously training, there's going to be all sorts of things, practicing operations. We know that obviously pilots already use flight simulators anyway. So in some areas, this technology is used a lot and has been for a while. It just hasn't necessarily broken mainstream yet. So we need to again be thinking about how we're going to use it in social care. How is it going to change the way we can meet more people, uh, be closer to them? How is it going to change the way we do child social care? looking after children, getting them excited about education, about learning, about improving, using it to give them more skills, training. I think although a lot of people kind of looked at the metaverse and, and laughed and went kind of, oh, Mark's gone a bit crazy. There are going to be uses for it. I think the limitation is it's you need to get out and enjoy the real world at the same time. The real world's amazing. Get out there, do stuff. But there are going to be things where this is going to also help you. And it's a it's a balance between the two. I, a lot of us spend too much time in front of computers or on our phones, on our tablets already. I don't want to be sitting in a virtual world 18 hours a day, but I do want to be able to go in and go, I need to think about something, look something up. I'm going into a virtual library where there's all these clips, videos, documents, manuscripts that can be brought to life. And I know I would learn better from from that than just reading wikipedia or something on a screen so another use that's going to come from it is i think is going to be kind of attending meetings as mark said but also attending conferences and this is something i want to touch on because the aws conference is running at the moment in las vegas now i had a chance to go to this this year but chose not to obviously with restrictions and testing and everything it's it's safer not to they've actually put it online so i've watched a lot of it just on my PC in the evenings. But wouldn't it be better if I could put the headset on and I could actually walk into the conference room, I could sit in a room with other people who are also there virtually, we could engage with each other, talk about what's been said on on the stage, what they're talking about and interact. At the moment, it's a bit of a, some people are there, I'm at home, I've got Twitter open, I'm seeing what people I follow are tweeting about the conference and various other bits and thinking about that. But it's going to expand people's minds. It's going to open more opportunities for them. There's lots of big conferences that we could go to. And again, this is something I want to touch on just briefly towards the end of this. Conferences should be attended by people in the public sector. And they're not. And I don't mean the ones that are always in London because a lot of them are crap and they're a waste of your time. But... There are lots and lots of big conferences all around the globe that you learn massive, massive amounts from. And I have I have actually been to the AWS one in, in Vegas and I have been to Salesforce's Dreamforce in San Francisco. Dreamforce, the year I went, I think 140,000 people turned up. It's the biggest conference I've ever been to in my life. So many people, but... Coming away from that, the amount of knowledge I had, the understanding in the technology, the people I met, the use cases I saw, everything blew the fact that it cost two grand in total to kind of get there, stay there, eat and come back for the week. Blew that two grand out of the water. There's not a training course I could have been on for two grand where I came away with as much information as I did in that week. But people are hung up on the fact that A, it's in America, and B, 
San Francisco or Vegas, it's going to get in the press, staff go out to party, blah, blah, blah. It's boring. These conferences are amazing. There are, this AWS one, I think there's 20,000 people there this year. There's, there's obviously usually more. A lot of people aren't traveling. That's 20,000 people locked in a hotel for four or five days, literally just going to session after session. And it starts from very early. I think the first one I went to was about seven in the morning. It went all the way through to the evening. Yes, you, there's some partying in the evening. Of course there is. It's a conference. There's 20,000 people there. But you're up again at seven the next morning. You're back into it. But people are obsessed with it. Oh, it's Las Vegas. It's like, it doesn't matter. I'm in a hotel. could be in any hotel in the world. The first time I actually went, I remember being about three days in. And the guys I was sat with that I went with actually said, do you know, we've not been outside for three days. And we went outside the hotel and stood in the car park for 10 minutes to get some fresh air and some sun, some sunshine. And so the fact of where it was was almost irrelevant because we didn't get out or do anything or see anything. We were locked in this one building. I mean, to be fair, it's the Venetian hotel. It's, it's enormous. You could probably live in there for about three months without going outside. But it's it's the experience. It's the learning. It's the knowledge again met so many people and everything else and councils and public sector need to be less scared about what the paper is going to say about them and there was actually a guy in peterborough who he used to do a blog he was he was never very nice about the council and he wrote a blog when we first signed a contract with aws to to move some servers into the cloud and he wrote this big piece about amazon he obviously understood nothing about aws or amazon at the time but did this big piece and then the very last line he said, and apparently AWS have a big conference in Las Vegas every year. Can you imagine the nerds from Peterborough attending this? Or words to that effect. It was almost like, well, I don't need to pretend because I've been, I've got the photos. I'll show you them if you want. It was brilliant. But I can guarantee there's no one from a council there this year. There might be people attending online, but the knowledge that they're missing out on the ideas that they're missing out on. There were some brilliant ones on one of the keynotes yesterday that they were talking about how they're delivering their services. All these tools and technology that Amazon give you are going to change the way we deliver services. And lots and lots of companies are investing heavily in them, skilling up, delivering in a completely different way. And we're building forms in councils and we're doing a little bit around the edges. We need to kind of be a bit more adventurous think different get out there see what's happening in the world there's actually aws kind of satellites going around the world one of the lines from last night was you're only one api call away from a satellite and again going back to that planning enforcement that literally means and an api is, is just a way of connecting between two systems that basically means you could build a system today go onto aws and say i would like images from your satellites delivered to me every day, every hour, every whatever. And that's possible. And you pay per image kind of sent down to you. That was unthinkable 10, 15 years ago. It's unbelievable that you can do that. You can literally log on now. Anyone listening to this can log on now and download satellite images from AWS real time as they're being taken. So the way things are happening, the changes that we're making in the future, I think is going to be very different. Traditionally, we've been quite slow in the sector to catch up. There needs to be 
I think if the government are really going to make a difference and make changes to the way we we deliver services digitally to residents and to citizens, there needs to be a real push on training people within the sector who have probably traditionally been looking after legacy systems, upgrading them, changing them, to becoming a more dynamic, thought-provoking, I sometimes call them with councils I work with, kind of rebel ideas, tearing the rule book up, thinking about how we're doing them differently by looking at services that Amazon offer, that Microsoft offer, that the, the, sorry, the metaverse is going to give us in the future and then start to go, what does this mean? We need to draw this out. We need to think differently. It's not about just how do we get a process and make it a bit simpler or how do we change a process? This is completely ripping the rule book up and saying we can start again and we can deliver. And no one really wants to go first and someone has to. And the government, when they're giving out their funding opportunities, need to be a bit braver in the ones that they're funding. We know not everything's going to work. It's not meant to when you're doing trials and demos, but we need to start pushing ourselves with the technology as to how far we can go before we get into problems with it. And at the moment, we're we're pushing projects. And as I said, they're just a bit safe. They're a bit boring. We're going to do some more forms. We're going to engage in a in a more interesting way. Are you? Are you really? Let's engage properly. Let's let's start with VR. Let's start with machine learning. Let's throw AI in. Let's know that the government is investing lots of money into R and D at the moment. There's loads of tax credit incentives for companies who want to get into this area, and a key bit of it is the R and D incentives for, are also for projects that don't work, and not every project has to. And and we have to be more open to failure but pushing ourselves harder we can't just keep plodding along plodding along because as you if you work in public sector you'll know how many councils are in massive financial trouble and i've talked about this previously i think slough is one that's come out this week as again i think they've sent uh, the commissioners in to look after slough but again i've sat through presentations from slough about how great they are because they've used an online form package it's like but it's not delivered the changes the savings and the new ideas that it needed it's it's boring and we need to spice things up a bit and i think government needs to either create a team that can go in and start working on new ideas bigger projects uh, pushing boundaries and fund those knowing that not all of them are going to work or we're never going to push ourselves because no one really wants to go first or put their hand up and say, let's challenge ourselves and do things very differently. Because I've been there, you get called out a lot and not everything will work. And it, it it's a pain and it causes problems and it can hamper you. And if you're sat in a nice career, nice nest egg, lovely pension, etc., why push yourself? Why drive things differently? But we're going to have to adapt to this because changes are coming NFTs I never thought would take off, but they are. Well, I don't really like them. I don't get the idea of them. But the technology that sits behind it might be useful. And that's different. A bit like Bitcoin and various other crypto coins. Do I like them? Not really. But do I see where the technology can go? Possibly, yes. It's a different route to where we are now. So th- there needs to be the, the reason I quote think different a lot to people is because i just don't see it currently in the in the public sector and there really needs to be some voices that can go we need to completely change the way we do this 
And at the moment, it's almost like it's left on digital teams to do, but it also needs to come from the business. So they need to stand up and say, actually, there is a completely new way of doing this service. We can deliver it like this and let's do a small trial. Let's get the government to fund 50 grand. Let's do a small trial on a small subset, see what happens, see if we can grow it. And even if it doesn't work, we're going to take a load of learning from that that we can take into other projects. So again, sharing between what's happening with with all these councils and and different measures. So really, yeah, we just need to be a bit braver. We need to stand up. We need to think completely differently. We need to be now thinking about what the council of 2030 is going to look like, how it's going to be delivering our services, because it's going to take us a while to get there. And it's going to be hit and miss on some things. Some will work, some won't. But unless we start thinking about that now, then when we get to 2030, we're going to be five years behind, possibly even more of actually where we need to be and where kind of the youth of today are coming through, the tools they're using, the experiences they're having, they're not going to get engaged. And so hopefully that's a little bit of a call to action maybe for some people to to start thinking about things differently and doing things differently. But let's kind of meet in the middle and let's have these conversations and see where we can go with some of these ideas so i'll end on that thank you very much for listening and look forward to speaking to you all next week thank you goodbye